G'day legends and welcome to the Stoic Den Under podcast. I'm your host Jared and joining me tonight is the full house from our podcast. We've got Sean, we've got Shane, we've got John and we've got Liam. How you doing Johnny? I'm doing good, yeah, yeah. Um, New year, so I've been um, going through that really horrible thing of budgeting and expenses and every single transaction and oh god, yeah. So that's been a lot of my spare evenings have been going through financial shit which is... I might as well pull my hair out, to be honest. It's horrible stuff. But, yeah, apart from that, I'm doing very well. Lovely. And how are you, Shane? Yeah, good. Thanks, mate. Um, just it, it feels like whenever someone's from Melbourne, the first topic that comes up is the weather. And we've uh, sweltered through a couple of days and went through a, a lovely 37-degree, very muggy, very uncomfortable day. And now we've just barely touched 20 the next day. It's raining. It's chilly. But the reason I wanted to bring that up is uh, I'm more than comfortable with it because I am decked out in our Celtic Down Under merch. And uh, if you want to stay cool or warm and be stylish, <laughs> check out the merch when the link comes up later. Good plug, Shane. Good playing. I wasn't paid for that, by the way, but <laughs> I will accept money for it if you're willing. <laughs> and how are you, Liam? Good. Oh, bit of news here, guys. I'm just reading. Um, apparently, uh, Rangers are going to sign four strikers. Uh, two teachers, a firefighter, and a, and a train driver. <laughs> <laughs> oh, brilliant. And Sean, looks like you're at Celtic Park sitting up in the nosebleeds. How are you? Yeah, no, I'm good. Yeah, it's uh, also hot here, so I won't be buying a hoodie uh, in the next few months. <laughs> Fair enough, yeah. So since Shane did such a good plug, we'll put up on the screen now. If you want to get any of the Celtic Down Under merchandise, there's T-shirts and hoodies available at celticdownunder.square.site. You can check that out. They're on there, available. Um, before we do that, all the uh, plugs out of the way, if you haven't done so, please subscribe to the Celtic Down Under podcast in your podcast app. Also, like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Hit the notification bell. We're trying to grow that. So, um, yeah, appreciate each and every one of you. So we've got a couple of people in the comments there. Hi, Andrew. Thanks for tuning in as per as per usual. Got to love it. And g'day, Liam, down in uh, Hobart. Hope you're all doing well. Chuck your comments through as the uh, podcast goes on. So I feel like it's a bit of Groundhog Day, to be honest with you. Last week we started off the podcast talking about Celtic 2, Kilmarnock nil, and more of the same, rinse and repeat. So um, we'll we'll talk about the game first up, and um, yeah, what we'll do is I'll just go through the lineup. So it's pretty much what we expected: Joe Harding goals. I think the only position that we we're really questioning there was two positions pre-game. Was Juranovic going to be come back in, and was Moy going to start? I think that's pretty much the two questions pre-game. So Juranovic started along with Kardavikas, staff out in Burnaby. Moy started in midfield along with McGregor and Hatate. And then Jota, Furuhashi, and made up front. So, Sean, you did the match day coverage in our partnership with Axom. So, I'll throw to you first. What was your overall thoughts on the game? And, um, yeah. Yep. So, by the time I'd finished that match day coverage, it was 4 a.m. here and I'd been awake for about 22 hours. So, I was going a bit delusional at that point, I think. Um, But, yeah, it was good. in terms of uh, talking much the same with the scoreline, it was certainly not much the same uh, in the way the game played out. Kamarnock kind of level pegged us in terms of chances. 
the only change we had was Juranovic, and, and one thing that you mentioned there was would Moy start, and it seems like that is very much Moy's jersey now, and it's up to Matt Riley to try and uh, win his way back into the team. Uh, I know the pitch and the weather had a factor. Uh, also, Kilmarnock players playing for their lives because uh, it's you know the biggest game they'll have all season would have also had a factor, and, and our quality showed through in the end. And to be honest, I think we should have had uh, an extra goal from the Rio Hotati one, and, and I can talk about how the rules apply to that when we come to it. Um, but yeah, it was, I wouldn't say, it was definitely far from comfortable, and Kilmarnock did play well, but uh, we were more clinical than we normally are, and uh, or the, not normally, but than we have been in recent times, and um Good to get a cup final, uh, even if it is against um, the annoying neighbours across the city. Yeah, what do you think of the game, Shane? Yeah, much the same um, as Sean. Um, it was it was a pretty scrappy affair, I think it's fair to say. Um, conditions and the pitch definitely weren't conducive to a that kind of really fluid really crisp kind of ball movement that we uh, usually have as part of our, um, I guess, as part of our usual performance. Um, I thought, and I agree with what Sean said, I thought Killy uh, played very well. I thought very early on they were at us. I thought the opening, you know, 15 or so minutes, it was a fairly even contest. And I think we kind of settled and and kind of, um, you know, took control, but we definitely weren't getting into the sort of familiar kind of, I guess, good areas or or creating a lot of clear-cut chances. I, I thought they defended pretty well. Um, I thought the goal before halftime was pretty important just to give us that, um, just to give us a little bit of breathing space going in 1-0 at halftime. Second half was, was much the same. It was ironic, really. I thought the two goals that were disallowed were probably the, the two most well-worked moves uh, of the match, um, particularly the uh, Maeda goal, which uh, was un- unfortunately chalked off for being offside. That was a wonderful finish and the build-up was excellent. Um, look, they came at us. Jared uh, and possibly Sean, you mentioned it last week, I think, uh, in regards to sort of teams sort of hanging in there and just wanting to be, uh, you know, near us at 1-0 uh, as the match draws to a close so they can potentially, you know, jag a point or pardon me, or even, um, in this case, force it to extra time. And that's kind of how it played out in the sense that they did start to come out a bit more later on, um, you know, and, uh, you know, look like they were going to try and force extra time. Fortunately, they didn't. Um, I'm sure we'll get into the decisions later, but the penalty shout isn't a penalty for me. I think we can uh, we can skip over that. And then uh, Gigi, who I thought was very good when he came on and uh, just provided that different, different dynamic, um, was really important in later stages of the match. In the end, we deserved to win and we deserved to go through, but um, they were they were much improved compared to uh, the week before at Celtic Park. Yeah, it's, um, I was watching the game with my missus and we're, we're sitting there and she's just like, this is some really disgusting, the defensive way how the whole park in the bus. And us as Celtic fans, we know it's a Derek, McKinney, Derek McKinnis team. That's what they were going to do. But... Yeah, as we are talking last week, Shane, as you just brought up, like we're saying they want to try and hang around that one goal and, and snag one. And we've got a comment here from Edward Y of Oz saying Killy could have beaten us on another day. 
but on another day we would have had four. So I appreciate what you're saying in the context of that game, especially with us getting that late second goal. But at the same time, there was like that one offside, which was like, I think the official measurement was a bee's dick offside when they showed the line difference. And then there was the other one. Like, I get the feeling sometimes when a goal goes in, it's like, I know they review every goal for VAR, but sometimes I look at it and think, are they are they trying to find a reason to take it off us? And that's what it seemed like to me watching the game on the weekend as well. But I don't want to sound all like a conspiracy theorist and all this sort of stuff. But, um, yeah, there's... It was an interesting game. It wasn't what I expected. I thought Killy would come out and play a bit more than they actually did. But I would say we got the three points, but I'm not a hun. So, you know, we got the win. That's the main thing. And us and Killy chopped up the pitch pretty good, which was pretty bad to begin with for their game on the Sunday. Yeah, what you're saying there about um, what Edward was saying, rather, but could have beaten us another day. Uh, until Sam Walker makes a save in the 83rd minute, uh, that's his first save of the game. And, you know, VAR notwithstanding, we've put the ball in the net four times at, by that point. So we're basically four shots in target, four goals, which is kind of clinicism that we just don't normally display. <laughs> so uh, to, to kind of back up Edwards, I think, I guess, in a, in not just Kelly could have taken the chances. I think what he also means is on another day, we'd be less clinical. So we were exceptionally clinical for what we've been in the last few months. And John, what was your, t- your take? Yeah, it looked very much the same as everybody else. Um, I was uh, pleased to see how we we were um, we played overall, I guess. I mean, at the end of the day, the result is, what, is all that matters. Um, I think some are, I think most... Uh, of the chances that Kamarnik had were probably lack of um, concentration on our part. Uh, I don't necessarily think that it was uh, like uh, moments of absolute brilliance. Um, Although to say that, you know, like they did have uh, good moments, but I do think it was more of a lack of concentration for us. Um, I'm going to be honest, I'm a bit sick of talking about VAR. And I think uh, the real hard pill to swallow is, I think there was still part of me that thought that um, VAR might, do us some good um and I, I think that's just i think that's naivety to be honest and i think probably the you know generation of our dads and uncles and stuff have you know resided this fact a long long time ago and it's probably us younger ones that are like oh no you come on var makes it fairer blah 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 and it, it's just it's it's just making the cheating more obvious to be honest and um so i think it's just gonna be one of those situations well it's gonna be the same situation we've always been in which is Celtic has to play um uh, against 12 players basically the the team and the ref so it's, it's always going to be like that so um we just have to win games despite decisions not going our way and and that's probably what happened in that game um i think uh the player that i thought i focused on a fair bit was barnabe i can definitely see him having really good moments where you're like, Christ, this is why we bought him. Um, you know, he had a good season in South America um, before he came to us. So you can see where all that comes from. But I think he's still very inexperienced. I don't think he's going, I don't think this run is necessarily at the moment indicative of something where he's going to take the spot off Taylor. I think as soon as Taylor's fit, he's coming back in. Um, but still, I think he he's very hot and cold, but he's young and 
there's moments of brilliance. So really good crossing, really good attacking runs, all of that stuff. Posi- defensive positioning is shocking. He's far too up. He's far too high up the pitch. Um, and just, you know, one-on-ones aren't great either. He gets beaten quite a lot. But uh, yeah, you know, that was, that was probably my player focus. Apart from that, I think it's just good to see us um, get into the final, another final. That's great to see on, you know, for Ange and for a lot of the young players as well. All right. Well, what we'll do is we'll go through some of the comments that people that have been coming through from guys tuning in. So we'll start off with Andrew Galea. The conditions were a leveller. If we've got any yep. comments off the back of any of these boys, just jump in. And then right. we've got, just as you were saying, John, about Bernabe, so I'll bring up a few about him. So Vanessa McCormick, Bernabe and staff out with the ball scammy. Yes, very much so. <laughs> yeah, you'd reckon Kobayashi's going to get his chance soon. Yep. Andrew Galea, they targeted Bernabe. They they definitely did. That, that's, they that did. was a... That was they did the last week as well. Yep. They did but particularly that's... in the first half. And that brings me to this one. Kyle Lafferty helped them for 45 minutes. He was the guy more targeting him in both games, trying to go there and just belt him up a bit. Mm. Yeah, but Dan, uh, Danny Armstrong was good as well. He he should have scored uh, that back post chance. And he was absolutely yeah. rinsing Bernabe in that first half. It, it's a bit of a mixed bag at the moment with Bernabe because, and, and there was a moment in the second half that really encapsulated it for me. He played a really poor back pass to Starfelt, left it way too short. The Killy player nipped in, and I'm pretty sure that, I, unless I'm mistaken, that's the shot that Hart had to save. I might have that muddled up, but they definitely went forward and, and nearly created something from it. And then in the very next phase of play, he played this wonderful ball uh, through to Maeda from deep in our half to, to release him. And it's like that's that's it right there. You've got that moment of sheer kind of what's he doing to that's brilliant. And yeah. now it's it's kind of like that when you hear that between your best and worst, you know, that gap between your best and worst, and we're kind of seeing it in that context. And hopefully we can minimise that that gap between the two so it's more consistent. There's, there's definitely something there. Most certainly the left side is a problem. The Starfelt comments are interesting because, you know, theoretically if he you know, gets caught out of position or needs cover, it's Starfeld on that left side that's covering him. Now, I know that he's part of a, a solid back two with Carter Vickers, but there's still those moments where you sort of go, you just sort of shiver a little bit when he's got the ball when he's passing. So with Bernabe and Starfeld essentially backing him up, I think you can see why Killy did target the left side, uh, or our left side, I should say, and it wouldn't surprise me if we see that going forward. But as Sean said, I think... Uh, Kobayashi's not far away from actually getting a shot at that left-sided centre-back role. I think oh, Postacoglu said in his press conference today that uh, Kobayashi did a pre-season camp before he signed for us, so he's uh, before he came in, so he's actually uh, should be match ready about now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For the and, first um, time watching the game, I am um, watching us playing a long time. I kind of I, I channeled Sean. I was watching stuff out, and I'm like, I would have rather Boyata. That's saying something. <laughs> and I, yeah, it wasn't bad. He was a bomb scare. Anytime he had the ball and took two <clears throat> steps forward with it, I was panicking. Yeah. And yeah, that was on on Saturday's game. That's what I was thinking with that. But yeah, well, um, a couple more comments we'll bring up. So, just on just on the back of what Shane said, I, I think, yeah, I very much think heart and a bit of luck 
kept uh, kept that game from being very difficult for Selwick because of some of Barnabé's poor decisions. Andrew Galea, the final thing on Bernabe is it's Bernabe's big opportunity unless he plays himself out of the side. Yeah. I don't want to even do yeah. the, oh, he's a young kid or whatever. There's, you've got to hit the ground running. Abada's a similar sort of age and he's come in and made an impact from day one. So I know it's different positions, language barrier. I don't, for both of them, all that. It's no excuses. The, um, the possible solution, uh, I think, could be until Greg Taylor's fit again, uh, stick Hatate in at left back because that was where he played for the best part of six months um, in, Kawa- in the Kawasaki team before he came to Celtic. He ended up getting their player of the year, um, playing predominantly as a left wing back. So I think that is a good short term solution. And then if you have Kobayashi partnering him as a left sided central defender, because he is left footed as well. Um, I think that that's going to be it'll be stable because I think that Hatati is definitely a better player than Bernabe, no question about that. And I think Kobayashi will, in time, become a better player than Starfield in the Celtic team. Um, so, and the fact that they, they can both, they're going to have that level of communication that Bernabe and Starfield are not going to have because of language issues and whatever. So, I think that's just a a simple stopgap solution to our left side issues see see if that does happen though right surely that's that's worst case scenario for Barnaby. that's him getting loaned out and you know on on very thin ice and stuff if if you've already got a left back or at whatever level he is you shove a center mid in there um just to like you say as a stopgap that's the end of Barnaby for a, for a for a while for a foreseeable right Surely that's getting loaned out and best luck. If you don't make it, you don't make it. Thing is, so even before Greg Taylor got injured, some people were asking that question. So hmm. um, he's had his platform to come in now. And, you know, I would give him another couple of games maybe before we make the change, but he needs to really step up because, like you say, you know, guys like Abada come into the team and take it by storm. Bernabe doesn't really have any excuses now. He's been in Scotland for six months now. He should be well enough acquainted with his teammates and the style of play to not be making the basic errors that he's making. So I don't want to be too hard on the guy, but I really do think that for the sake of um, ensuring that our winning run continues, sticking Rio Hatati in there might be the safe option. But the biggest criticism of Rio Hatati is that he makes too many basic errors with his passes. Like literally everything that we say about Burnaby, you can say about Hatati. Like gives the ball away too much. Uh, yeah, yeah. There's a comment tying up on that. There you go. So like I don't, I, I, I get your logic claim that he's done it in the mm. past for a different team, but I, I, to me, it's just going to cause us some problems uh, when uh, Hibs attacked the wing when Hatati was at fullback. It got rinsed uh, by the the I forget the boy's name, the winger uh, at Hibs, uh, but he went past him as if he wasn't even there. So I, I think we're, I get what you're saying, and it will be fine in games like home game against St Mirren. It will be. Do you know what I mean like much of them when you're only really attacking, it'll be fine. But when as soon as you get a winger stuck on them, like Fashion Sakala or uh, Danny Armstrong, someone that's going to attack them, they'll get found out. And I, I don't know if he's uh, Bernabe has necessarily done an, uh, enough to kind of because I had the same thought today, Liam. I'm like, well, could we put Hatate there? I don't think Bernabe has done enough to warrant that just yet. Like, there's no way that I would move him out mm. of the way for Hatate just yet. Um, 
but if his performances didn't improve on the weekends, then then maybe. Um, but no, I'd definitely give him, like you followed up at the end, I'd definitely give him another couple of matches to see how he goes. I think just to respond to what Sean was saying there, because it is a very valid point, um, I think the difference is that being a better all-round footballer, in my opinion, Hatati could grow into the role given five or six games before we, you know, before the cup final or whatever. But if Bernabe needs to show a level of improvement before then to, to justify his place, because if not, then I do think that he's, he's going to struggle to keep his place in the team. So what I'll do is I'll just go through some comments here from Andrew Galea because there's three of them. So I'd rather just read them instead of bring them all up on the screen. So it's, yes, this is Bernabe's big opportunity unless he plays himself out of the side, which we've already said. Mm. Teams have been targeting our left side since Ange came in. Taylor grew into it, Ken Bernabe. We've got a good run of opponents coming up for Bernabe. So on the back of those three comments there, mm. I agree yeah. with what he's saying. Yeah. And a lot of the question marks here isn't that we don't rate Bernabe. It's we haven't seen enough of him yet. And what we have seen of him has left the odd little question mark here and there, which is what's making us have this conversation. This isn't a witch hunt. I don't want him thrown out. We spent a lot of money on him. He's highly recommended. He's got a good pedigree. It's just a matter of, okay, can we get him in and get him to, get him to break in? Now, he's been here six months, late, as you said, Liam, but the problem he's had is, as I said last week, our player, current player of the year, in my opinion, Greg Taylor, is in his position in front of him and he's moral to play every single week. So he's been here for six months, but he's barely had a chance to hit the pitch because of the form Taylor's been showing. So unfortunately, we've, we're in the spot now where we've got a cup final coming up. We've got against that mob. We've got a few other important games coming up. We're nine points ahead. We can't afford to drop anything. We need to really just put the pedal down and go for it. And we're all in the back of our minds going, is Bernabe, is he going to cut the mustard? For me, we'll never know unless we give him a shot. But at the same time, I'm also not the sort who would rather, who would like to um, bring a guy, play a guy out of position. I don't want to weaken our midfield by bringing Hatade back to left back. I'd rather one or two options. We're in the transfer window. Our options are this simple. Either Juranovic plays at, plays at left back, Johnson's at right back. I know it didn't work at Ibrox, but that's one option. I don't want to go that way. I'd rather burn a bay. Second option, a little left field one. How's Liam Scales been playing? Hmm. I know he's a left-footed, he's a left-footed centre back who can also play as left back. He's been starting week in, week out when he's fit for Aberdeen. How's he been playing? He's our he's player. Playing well. It's centre yeah, back. Exactly. From what it's I've seen, he's been playing well. It's centre back. Yeah, mm. I know. I get that. Yeah. But I'm saying, like, he's still our player. So that's another option. I don't really want to go on either of them. I think Bernabeu needs to be given his run of games. And we've got enough talent to do that. But I'm just throwing some ideas here. I don't really want to weaken the midfield by playing Hatade out of position yet, though. Yeah, because Tati's been great in midfield for the yeah. last month. And then another point as well is if you think back a year from now, have, there's the vast majority of Celtic fans would have paid Jack and Marcus's taxi fare to the airport at this time last year. Uh, so and it, so it's take, it took Jack and Marcus that long to settle into the team and Bernabe's, you know, he's been here six months, the same as Jack and Marcus was before he got a run of games. 
Now, Vanessa, in the comments, I'm going to bring this up. You said there's no way Bernabe plays against the Huns. Can you, in the comments, write, let me know why there's no way? I, everyone's entitled to their opinion. I said early on, I said on previous podcasts that we played Juranovic there because I didn't see him and Johnson playing together. I just want to know why you think there's no there's no way he'll play against the Huns in however long it is because, I don't know, there's other people tuning in who would want to know that same same idea. So if you can let us know, that would be great. I would assume because of what's at stake in a cup final and because of his defensive weakness. I would say unless Taylor can, unless Taylor's fit um, or unless something really dramatic happens in the next couple of weeks, he will start the cup final. What do you reckon, Johnny? It's still six weeks away, five and a half weeks away. Oh, really? Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, that's, that's, then it's going to be, there's something dramatic then. I it's really hard to tell right now, to be honest, what's going to happen in the final. Yeah. I, it, it, yeah, there's it's too many games between the events and I see enough of Bernabe to set, to to be confident in knowing that he's going to grow as a player, right? There's there's going to be a level for him where he does well. It, there, there's not that much that he needs to figure out and to fix. He just needs to fix it quickly. And, and we've made lots of comments about stuff, you know, like how it's six months in and stuff. He is, and he, sh- he should be... Those are like those are really like basic mistakes. Like if you're a if you're a left back, you should be tracking back at the opportunity of defensive phases, and he doesn't do that. So that's I don't know if that's a language thing. I don't know if that's a settling thing. I think that's just a young, not paying attention thing. So I think those are the sort of things that he needs to like absolutely fix immediately. And then it's a I just think it's it's yeah, surety will start, but it, it just depends, I guess. On the back That's of that, very, that was very on the fence. Sorry. <laughs> on, on, now on the back of that, though, John, it's funny because the modern fullback, what do they do? They're always told you've got to be able to bomb on, you've got to get crosses in the box. And how many times do you see a guy, a player, get linked with a move to a big club or whatever? And the one thing that they say is, "Oh, he's a modern fullback, but he needs to improve his defensive positioning or his defence. He's a defender first. So. Yeah, I understand exactly what you're saying. But, okay, we're going to bring up last two comments here for um, on the game, and then we'll crack on with some other stuff so we don't spend a full hour of this podcast talking about <laughs> your game on the weekend. So, we could, oh, we, we could easy, yeah. So, Andrew Galea, the made a goal was brilliant, but for a heel being offside. Yeah. Liam, you told us all about Maeda. Quick spiel before yep. someone knocks at your door, like you were just telling us in the group chat. <laughs> no, he, um, he's you're, you're seeing exactly what I've been saying about him the whole time. The World Cup was the platform he needed to really get his confidence up, and you can see now he is every bit the player that I've been saying he is ever since he signed. Um, so yeah, he's uh, he's really, I think on current form, he might actually be our best player at the moment. So. Yeah, he didn't even make the team of the week. Moy got in ahead of him. <laughs> I mean, but Moy's also um, come on massively since the World Cup. Moy is Moy's potentially the second best player in current form. He's, yeah. you know, since the World Cup, he's really took inspiration from it as well. Um, it's funny that, that my, you know, Juranovic is the one that we're talking about for big money 
potentially. Yet it's our other two big World Cup stars in Maeda and Moy are the two that have really kicked on from it. Carter Vickers has been good, but you know, he, yeah, he's been great. But again, World Cup, he only played that one game. Um, whereas Moy and Maeda were both mainstays of their respective teams, which I think might have helped them a wee bit more. Um, although Carter Vickers, by all accounts, was man of the match in the, the game that he did play. So, um, yeah, I think they're all better players for it. And hopefully, you know, next time we can get a few more players at the World Cup. Yeah, when it becomes every two years, right? <laughs> Four, 48 countries every two years. I'll bet you Scotland still don't bloody qualify. <laughs> Come on, Gibraltar. But just just to back up your comments on Maeda, like uh, I don't think there's any question that he's probably been our our best player since he came back from um, from the World Cup. I agree, Moy's been good as well, but I think Maeda and the form he's in probably eclipses Moy. Um, you've obviously talked a lot about him, Liam, and and you know exactly the the kind of player he is and and how good he can be. So this probably comes of no surprise to you. I mean, from someone who didn't know him very well, you know, he always kind of had pace and work rate. That was um, always two non-negotiables. But he just looks so dangerous at the moment. He looks like every time he gets the ball, he's either going to finish or he's going to create something. And that's it. all you really want from your your wingers who are playing out wide is that they're, they're creating something, that they're causing the fullbacks... Uh, trouble and that they're making things happen and every time he gets on the ball at the moment he looks like he's going to make things happen and um, it's an absolute credit to him because he was maligned fairly early on or particularly early on this season and you know he's gone away to the World Cup, uh, World Cup. he's come back a completely different player and um, you know we're all the better for it but um, it, it's wonderful I, I, and it feels like his ceiling he hasn't reached it yet like there's so much more to go, and uh, I'm looking forward to seeing how he finishes off the uh, the rest of the season. And last comment we're going to bring up is from Liam in Tassie. The pitch was awful for the National Stadium. Yeah. We all yeah. agree on that. And Andrew's over here, Andrew used to just berate every everything about pitches quality because – Rugby league, rugby union, AFL, whatever, be played on the same pitches and used to hate it. And, um, yeah, you just have a look at it over there. I understand weather conditions, whatever, but still, National Stadium, no games on it for like almost six weeks. I don't know what's going on. Can I just comment on the SFA statement about that? Uh, where they put out a statement where they like three or four times within a couple of paragraphs used the term inclement weather, which I love. I absolutely love the term inclement <laughs> in clement to describe the weather. Uh, and they're, they're really just trying to obfus- obfuscate with big words uh, what is just neglect of a pitch. Uh, yeah. So I'll just uh, turn it around and point out that with a much smaller word that they are clowns and that I can see through it. Absolute clowns. I'll, I'll need that uh, next time I'm writing a sick note. I have no get diarrhea. I've got an inclement arse. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> we hadn't already named the podcast and we're just doing a vert, like an audio one. I think that would have been the name of the podcast, Inclement Arse. Yeah. <laughs> There's probably a bunch, like 50 to 60% of people in Scotland reading that. What does that mean? Okay. Check it out. <laughs> Yeah. No. Word for it. Play.
Podcasting remotely can be challenging, but it doesn't have to be. Zencaster's all-in-one web solution makes the process nice and simple as it should be. If you've listened to the Celtic Down Under podcast, you know we strive to have a quality show and Zencaster provides us with both crystal clear quality sound and HD video. It's easy to use, works a treat for us, there's nothing to download, we just click on the link and start recording. Zencaster is all about making your podcasting experience easy and with everything from local recording to automatic post-productions, you don't have to leave your browser to get the episode recorded, edited and released. Go to zencaster.com forward slash pricing and use my code CELTICDOWNUNDER. You'll get 30% off your first three months of Zencaster Professional. I want you to have the same easy experience as I do for all my podcasting and content needs. It's time to share your story. So we'll jump on to our next topic. So we're going to talk about the transfer rumours that have come up in the last week. So I'm going to start off with this comment from Vanessa, directed at you, Liam. Mm -hmm. Hey, Liam, I thought you said a Japanese team wouldn't buy GG. I did, and they haven't. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So, yeah, the... The thing is about this Arawa Reds thing, it's only the Daily Record and Jagamakis' agent that are keeping it going. Nobody in Japan is talking about it. None of the reliable sources of information here, your Dan Orlowitz, whatever, are talking about it. Um, the Daily Record seems to be basing the entire thing on a couple of tweets from unverified accounts in Japan that are tweeting in English about football. Um, no, just, it's no... I'll be extremely surprised if it happens because, one, Urawa do not pay that much for a player. And with the greatest respect to Jakimakis, they especially don't pay that much for a reserve team player at the moment, which is what he basically is. Um, They don't, you know, they, they could get players of similar or better ability in and around Asia for a lot cheaper. Um, it just does not make sense for them at all. If Jakimakis is having issues settling in Scotland at all. Going to Japan's going to be even more alien for him. Um, Urawa's pay structure will not be... It certainly won't be any more than he's getting at Celtic. It might be a good bit less. Um, there's just no way that that deal can happen. It just does not make financial, logical, or common sense in any way. I'm seeing that uh, Nagoya paid 11 million euros for someone. Three years, four, five years ago, Joe. Yeah, that was a one-off. Um, yeah, that nothing. was the uh, the, the closest to is, that is yeah. something like five point eight or something. There's nothing even close to that, from what I can see. Uh, so basically, just for those who aren't up with the current rumours, so the rumours is that you are Red Diamonds. We're going to sign him for about eight million. Now, apparently, we're seeing it as four million euro, so three and a half million pound. Um, so. Talk is it could be due to a possible release clause, so a Dom Mackay special because apparently there's rumours on Juranovic also having a release clause, which is going to undervalue him. Um, apparently, Jackamakis's agent has flown to Glasgow for crunch talks with the club to finalise his departure. So that's the overall cliff notes of all the stories and absolute bollocks that's been put out there at the moment. So, um, yeah, I... As you said, Liam, it's the Red Top newspapers talking about it. There's nothing online from credible sources. We'll watch this space, I suppose. But 
as Ange and them have said, if he doesn't if he doesn't find a move that we like and he likes, then he'll he'll just stay and do his do, have to do his job. He's under contract at the end of the day. I know I noted the uh, the seeming change in Giacomacchi's attitude after after the the weekend's game where he was talking about on to the final now and whatever. I think maybe he has just realised he's not quite the hot commodity he thought he was, and uh, maybe he's having a wee bit of a, a rethink about trying to push through a move away from Celtic. We'll see, but until we sign another striker, he's going nowhere. I'm sure of that much anyway. Ah, oh, well, we need we need two if he goes. We need yeah. one now. We need another one now. Uh, mm. But yeah, I th- I, I, there's lots of factors in it, right? I think I think I think you're right, Liam. I think he's probably. Maybe not just the hot commodity stuff, but like he's what is he 27, 28, and, he, mm. and this is probably the biggest team he's going to get. You know, Champions League football and all that exposure and all that stuff. He's not going to get an equivalent of Celtic, so he might get a paycheck, but that would all be that's that'd be it for him, to be honest. Yeah, and he won't yeah. get the paycheck at Urawa. He would have to go to America or something to get a bigger paycheck. Yeah, with their marquee uh, policy, I think Japan has a similar policy, right? Yeah, but I think Urawa have already got a couple of Brazilians in their squad, so um, hmm. they might. I think they've already covered that area. All right, so I'm going to bring up a comment here from Michael Ross where he's saying, didn't the Daily Ranger say GG was having a medical with Urawa? It's just garbage to unsettle Celtic. Exactly. Stock standard. And now Andrew Galea is, is it off-season in Japan and Korea now, Liam? Yes, the season typically runs from March until November in Japan, and I under, as I understand it, I think Korea is about the same. Uh, um, yeah, as the the domestic cup sometimes runs into December, but no, there, there's no league games now until March. So speaking of Korea, we'll just jump over. So Celtic are out of the running for Cho Gusung, apparently, um, but then there's a rumor that we've put in an improved bid for. Hyung Q from Suwon Blue Wings. Mm. So apparently that was one we were linked with earlier. That was the guy who came out and said that he wanted to he wanted to move a little while ago. If only I could read Korean, I'd be able to decipher that that whole article. But yeah. <laughs> so yeah, as, as you were saying, John, that ties into one of the other things on our run sheet where Ange come out and said he wants to bring in at least one more signing this window. Yeah. Has to be another striker even before we replace GG. I think we yeah. all we all agree on that. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. And sorry, just to address uh, Andrew's comment there. Um, yeah, I think Cho has basically bottled it. I think he's got cold feet about moving to Europe. Um, it seems to me like he was, you know, had a good World Cup and thought, right, let's bring it on. But now he's realised that he doesn't quite have the. I mean, he is basically a. He's a. He's a kind of a sort of a boy band type star in Korea as well as a footballer. And I think he realizes that if he moves to Europe, he's giving up all of that publicity and Instagram stuff and whatever as well. And maybe, I think maybe he's just happy to stay in a smaller league and be the big fish. I'm just going to um, say it, he's staying there for the, he's staying in Korea for the, uh, for the skirt and the, and the, and the K-pop lovers. There you go. That's pretty much it. In, in fairness, you know, I've been to Korea before and, you know, 
to women, there are qualities. So I, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, no, not, not, not as good as my lovely wife, obviously, but you know. I don't blame him. I don't blame him. He's not been to the pubic triangle in Edinburgh, though, so we need to get more. Picture, picture of him sitting in the floor with a, a pizza supper at uh, 10pm at night. That's what we need. Oh, dear. Celtic captain material. Uh, <laughs> uh, brilliant. Oh, God. All right. So we'll jump on to the last two transfer rumours we were to talk about. So there was news coming out. I'm just going to bring it up on my phone because I cannot pronounce this guy's name for the life of me. Um. A midfielder from Western Sydney Wanderers over here in the A-League, Callum Nywenhoff. I think that's pretty much how you say it. Shane, you've seen him play earlier this season against Melbourne Victory. Bit of a midfield destroyer. Uh, the rumours are that he would be our, the long-term Moy replacement at Celtic and that we would sign him and uh, send him and then send him back to Western Sydney for the rest of the A-League season. What are your thoughts on that, Shane? I think it'd be a good signing. Um, so he was initially at Sydney um, for a few years under their youth program. I can't remember what injury he had, but he was injured for and he missed a, a good chunk of games over the course of, I think, one or two seasons. And then he made the move to their crosstown rivals, Western Sydney Wanderers. Um, he's come in this season. He's had a bit of an uninterrupted preseason. I think he's played every match for them. And uh, I didn't really know much about him, but I got to see him firsthand maybe a month or two ago. And uh, he was excellent in a game where, you know, Western Sydney had sent up against Melbourne Victory to be pretty defensive uh, to kind of ride out uh, or sort of have midfield control but ride out waves of attack. I was he was at the... Um... <laughs> Who was that? I think that was Callum. Hear those little videos on the side of the phone, Ed? I was looking at the thing from Callum, and as I scrolled, it just started playing. Oh is, that, is he commenting on his transfer rumour, is he? <laughs> Callum. Um, no, he was very impressive. What was most impressive about him? Uh, well, there were two things really that stood out. Um, he sort of played in the middle of the park. He's. I agree with the Moy comparisons in the sense that he's very good on the ball. Um, he's a smart thinker. You can see that by the way that he plays. Um but that also extended to his defensive capabilities. So he was uh, very good at dropping deep and playing in that sort of pivot role against us. Um, he won almost every duel that he had that evening. And uh, he was very smart, particularly late in the game. He knew when to take a, a yellow uh, when we were on the break. Like he, You can tell he's a smart footballer. So there's a lot to like about him. I think from memory, he's only 21 or something like that. So the age bracket, the ceiling's yeah. huge for him. So I would next month. Oh, he's a, he's only a pup. So, um, yeah, he'll be um, he'll be one that if we can get a hold of him, um, I think would be very exciting going forward. So I'm all for bringing him on board. But very exciting prospect. That's it. Raid the A League. Bring in Marco Tilio as well while we're at it, and loan him back to City first this season. And then the third striker. I keep saying, yes, Andrew in the comments, still pushing for the boy from Melbourne Victory. Get Nick D'Agostino in. Uh, that's not happening. He's off to Viking. Uh, in Norway, I think. Okay. Hmm. So he's, oh, well. he's effectively gone. Uh, that, that'll probably be announced in the next couple of days. I don't care if you're a Viking, get that axe at the dartboard. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> I don't get that. <laughs> no, no, I, I had no idea. <laughs> 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 
I don't care if you're a Viking, get that axe at the dartboard. He's walked in and thrown an axe in the dartboard because he's a Viking. <laughs> what? Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> I give up. Right, I give up. Move on, move on. <laughs> oh, Jesus. I think we're off the rails here, everyone. Um, <laughs> Liam, mate, come on. <laughs> All right, we've gone off the rails. Perfect segue then. So yes. we're being linked with Kevin Nisbet again, a certain account on Twitter called Siamese Boy, who is pretty much Neil Lennon or Neil Lennon want to be, is saying we should sign him. It's blown up deluxe. He's on a bit of hitting a bit of form. So, and the story today in the, the Scottish Hunt was that Hibs have said that he's off limits to leave the leave the club. But I want to ask you guys, would Kevin Nisbet be a good signing and a good fit for Ange's system at Celtic? I'm going to go to John first because he looks disgusted by this whole idea. Nah, I don't think I'd – I I don't rate the player. I don't think uh, – I don't think he'd suit our system at all. I, I mean, like, if it was – if we were keeping Kyogo and we were keeping Gigi and then and he was gonna be like a third rung now and again bit player. Yeah, okay. But I don't really think that's gonna be Andrew's style at all, right? He he wants three first team strikers that rotate that play sixty minutes at high intensity and you know, get your results. Um I, I don't know, what was his what's his scoring record? I was trying to look it up. Seven in the last six. Yeah, but he scored five in the last two games. So it's, he's just played seven games since he came back from uh, his ACL and he scored seven goals, I think, in seven games or something like that. Right. So, like, okay, so he's on a very good form for right this minute, but that's really low games. You're like, let's let's maybe have the conversation if he's hitting those numbers after 19, 20, 25 games and, it, and he's scoring every other you know do you know what i mean like that's that's the sort of level that you go right okay this is someone to consider now because he's coming on to be in a but that's such you know sure what do they talk about peaks and troughs of forms of players and stuff this could very much just be a peak for him i just i just don't think that's the aspirations of where we want where where we are and where Ange wants us to be i just don't think that's it i think we're trying to look beyond that much further on for the champions league and and you know when in trebles and all that stuff. I just don't think he's it. He's not for me. Not for me. It's also difficult to gauge how good he is because Hibs are absolutely immense at the moment. So, like, most, you know, any half-decent striker is going to look good in that team. Um, and, yeah, if he's still get that kind of return goals-wise at the end of the season, maybe look at it again. But to me, at the moment, he's just an inferior version of Kyogo. He's a similar type of player, but Kyogo is faster, scores more goals, and is more skillful. So, yeah. I can think. Go. Andrew Galea in the comments is we're trying to trade up in quality. So, no to Nisbet. Yeah, that's what I think. I'm going to be the dissenting voice here. And I think uh, in the last few games, he has been sensational. And I mean, sensational. Like, if you go and watch the goals that he scored in the last two games, he looks like a Celtic striker. Like, if, based on his last few games, he is the the best striker in the league outside of Celtic. And that includes uh, any teams in blue in that uh, assertion. He has looked amazing. If you go and watch the equaliser he scored, I've, it's on my, if you watch my 10-minute roundup, I've put it on there, the goal that he scored at the 
the weekend, the equaliser and injury time against Dundee United, it was a very, very good goal. And he's done it out of absolutely nothing. Like, it's just a long ball into the box, completely hopeful. And he's taken it down, taken on like three or four defenders on his own and scored an, an absolutely improbable angle. Uh, the goalkeeper's no chance. He has looked outstanding. I'm not going to lie. So, so, so right. Out of seven, out of seven games or whatever it is, you, would you would you put a punt on him for like a million or two or something? Like that? Oh, easy for that money. But so I think he'd be looking for no. How's he be looking for five or six? That's yeah, the problem. See, yeah. No. So that's where I was going to say. Like, I'm agreeing with a lot with what you're saying there, Sean. But at the same time, I'm like agreeing with what a lot of the people in the comments are saying, where we're trying to upgrade and it needs to be a better standard than that. So signing a Hibs striker. The last few we've signed have been absolutely nuts. So Nisbet's not that. Watching his movement and the way he plays and the way he positions himself, he's doing this in a bad Hibs team. Imagine him surrounded by our quality players. The service so, he would get and his movement, to me, it could work and could work very, very well. However, when you look at it and go, are we going to be able to afford him? Because you know Hibs are going to ask through the through the roof for him, then I think that's the big thing that puts a line through his through his name more than anything. Yeah, I, I don't know what they'd be looking for, but I, I would if he's getting the same service as Kyogo gets, I I think he might there's a chance he could do better than Kyogo. Uh, oh wow! If he dropped him into a Celtic team, like because he's scoring those goals with. Very little from a supporting cast that helps. Uh, he has, he does look good. Not gonna lie. And look, he, he had ten. He's got ten Scotland caps. He's got a goal for Scotland. He has done it at other levels. I mean, um, you know, I, I probably haven't watched enough Hib game, Hibs games to comment on, you know, whether he'd suit the system or style or not. But um, you know, just looking into him a bit today, you know, he looks prolific. I mean, his stats when he goes back to prior getting injured, you know, his goal return doesn't doesn't look too bad like it looks still pretty good um so i'd say there's probably a level of consistency there prior to the injury that he had regardless of actually being able to net uh quite a few goals uh he's 25 i think from memory so you know mm-hmm. uh, you know a couple of years younger than gg currently just to, to throw it out there though he's not the direct replacement just so i'd sort of throw an age comparison in there um and he's obviously you know a scottish player and we were talking recently about you know potentially getting more Scottish players in and signing Scottish players. I guess the only question I'd throw out there is, you know, in terms of the best Scottish strikers out there that aren't at um, Celtic or uh, across the city, is he the best one or is there someone else that stands out? He, he's the best, yeah. <laughs> if you're asking me, yeah. <laughs> just an idea, just throwing it out there. If we were to say to him, okay, you want you want five or six million for him, how about instead of that, we sign him for four, right, three and a half, four, and we loan you Joey Dawson, who's doing really well with the B team so far, five games, three goals, and it's one for the future that Ann rates. We loan you him for two years, and you can have him for the next two years, and we'll pay all his wages. Did that work? I, t- that's, well, I don't think so. I don't think. I don't think I'd be, go for it. I'm just throwing no. ideas out there. Yeah, I, I think what's would be more likely is if we say something like, "Yeah, if he scores a goal in the Champions League, we'll pay you a million." That sort of thing. That, that's the, and I, I, I think he would 
hit that achievement, to be honest. Yep. Fair yeah, enough. He, he does remind me a lot of, uh, like, Scott McDonald, kind of. Like, yeah, he's, he's good. Yeah, he's good. from Vanessa. Scott McDonald come from Motherwell and did well in Europe. There's, there's that, but at the same time, I don't know. I, I, I have a suspicion, and this might just be snobbery, but I think those days have gone. I don't know. I think the level between other Scottish teams and, okay, that's an obvious thing, Champions League teams, but like even Europa League teams, the golf is too big. So, so maybe if you get a player very young, that's, you know, at sort of... Uh, 20 to 23 age where they can still grow. I just don't think there's going to be those types of players where you can just go to another team in Europe, a team in Scotland, and then expect them just to be challenging against Champions League sides. I just think, I just don't think it's there anymore. Not for 5 million anyway. I don't think it exists. I mean, we did it in the past with Paul Hartley, Barry Robson, but I get what your, your point is. It's not yeah, a thing anymore. Those, those but... days have gone. Yeah, I think. Face it, shaker bottles suck. Your protein shakes always come out lumpy and you look like an idiot using the thing. That's why I decided to ditch my shaker bottle for good and get myself a Blendjet 2 portable blender. It makes perfectly blended protein shakes in just 20 seconds. Blendjet 2 is portable, so you can make a smoothie at work, a protein shake at the gym, or even a margarita at the beach. It's small enough to fit in a cup holder, but powerful enough to blast through tough ingredients like ice and frozen fruit with ease. Blendjet 2 is whisper quiet, so you can make your morning smoothie without waking up the whole house. It lasts for 15 plus blends and recharges quickly via a USB-C cable. Best of all, Blendjet 2 cleans itself. Just blend water and a drop of soap and you're good to go. With over 30 plus colours and patterns to choose from, there's a Blendjet 2 to complement just about any style. So what are you waiting for? Go to Blendjet.com and grab yours today. And be sure to use the promo code CELTIC12 to get 12% off your order and free two-day shipping. No other portable blender on the market comes close to the quality, power and innovation of the Blendjet 2. They guarantee you'll love it or your money back. Blend anytime, anywhere with the Blendjet 2 Portable Blender. Go to Blendjet.com and use the code CELTIC12 to get 12% off your order and a free two-day shipping. Shop today and get the best deal ever. Now, before we get into previewing, oh yeah, Wednesday. So tonight's game against St Mirren. There's a question here in the comments from Liam O'Connor. Should Celtic have a connected team in Australia to bring on talent, like Northern Spirit used to be in the NSL, but successful? So Northern, for those who don't know, Northern Spirit in the NSL was owned by a dead club from across the city and their manager oh, yeah. at the time was Graham Arnold, who's now the Australian manager. That is why I did not like the guy. Um, I can hold a grudge because I think he's an absolute flog, but um, yeah. You don't need, you don't need just one reason, Jared. There's yeah. plenty of reasons to dislike him. I think, I think honestly, you're telling me that the, the zombies used to own the spirits. That's, that's <laughs> some Ghostbusters level shit there, man. Really, hundred yeah, percent. So for me, I look at it and go, "That'd be great." Uh, there was talk a few years ago about us 
setting up a club and having an affiliation with a team in America as well in the second tier, not in the MLS. Uh, I think it was like the team in the Carolinas or something like that. Um, Vanessa has just absolutely nailed who I was going to say for my pick, which was Newcastle Jets with the Arthur Pappas connection. Used to be Angie's assistant. I think that is an absolutely perfect one because Newcastle is a club that is actually broke in terms of their owners are gone. They're subsidised by the league, so they are for sale. If Celtic was to come in, you could pick them up for a couple of million and then off you go. And they're a good uh, community club in Newcastle. They they get out there in their community, which is what we were founded for, feeding immigrants. They're a good community club. I think that that was actually the first one that popped into my head. Or just said Central Coast because of their youth system. Sorry, Sean, to cut you off. Sorry, but I don't really want I don't really want us with the sauce bottles at our stadium. <laughs> I was actually, sorry, Jared, I wasn't trying to interrupt you. I thought you were finished. Um, no, I was actually going to say, if you're looking at uh, having a feeder team in the A-League, I'd say there's two more suitable teams in terms of uh, being more isolated teams, which means you've got a bigger, uh, you, you've got the sole access to to a large geographic area of players, and that'd be either Perth Glory or Wellington Phoenix. Now, I know they're both at opposite ends, but if you get Wellington Phoenix, then you're getting the only professional team uh, in the whole of New Zealand is your feeder club. Uh I know New Zealand's not massive on its uh, <clears throat> soccer. Um, they're more of a rugby nation, but, I mean, come on, if you start getting coaches out there, there's, there's athletic talent, you know. It's an untap, It's a bit of an untapped market, right? Mm-hmm. And Andrew in the comments has said it would be a good path for B-team players to get a season in the A-League. The only yeah. problem good with idea. that, if you're going to send some B-players out here, you only have five visa spots, so non-Australian or New Zealand players allowed so if you were to buy one of them teams and then send say if you wanted to send a Boston Lowell out to play a full season of senior football or a Toby Oluwayemi or someone like that or an Owen Uto or someone like that great but the standard of the international player that the club would normally sign would probably be higher than those guys maybe not Oluwayemi but I'm talking about if it depends on which B team players you actually send out here like, so, as an example, if as a pathway, say if you looked at Montgomery, for instance, and the options were send him on loan to St. Johnson or play him a season down in the A-League, Sean, what would be a better option? A-League, I think. Um, yeah. yeah, I think so. It's I know it's a different style of football and you're not seeing them as much up close, but, um, yeah, it's... I think so. I think the standard is more consistent down here than it is. There's a really precipitous drop as you go down every position on the table in Scotland, whereas over here it's much more a kind of level. Uh, there's not as much of a gap. You could argue that's a negative, that you're not going to be facing the quality of like Sevco and Aberdeen uh, as much down here. Like, Aberdeen is the kind of level down here. Um, maybe even, I'd have Sydney somewhere just between Hearts and Sevco in terms of quality, and then it kind of works its way uh, level from there. But yeah, I think it's I think as well getting players away from their comfort zone uh, helps their development too, and uh, not just yeah. necessarily the quality of team that they're playing. Yeah, that's so, that, that's probably that. Sorry to cut you off, Joe. That's probably the point I was going to jump in very quickly and make. Sean um, was just that you're getting out of the bubble um, and mm-hmm. you're away from that bubble, 
And, you know, if you're actually at a team that is effectively run or controlled by Celtic, you're more than likely trying to implement or, or learn under a style that will see you go back to Celtic and and either be part of the first team or, or contribute. Whereas if you're getting loaned out, you know, at St. Johnston or somewhere else, you're probably learning to play their style, which is different. So I think there's actually a lot of benefits if that was to happen. And, you know, a while ago, I don't know how serious it was, um, there was discussions about, you know, Celtic, you know, potentially coming in for Central Coast Mariners and maybe having them on board as, as a squad. And they're, they're the first one that I thought of when the, the name came up. But I think, and because of their youth setup and youth system at the moment, they're doing a really good job developing these young kids. Um, they would be ideal, but I think they're pretty stable at the moment. So they're probably not looking to sell. Do they do they play in Gosford? Is that yes. what that re- Yeah, that's one of the most beautiful stadiums I've ever seen. The, the source bottles are the most beautiful part, mate. The inflatable source bottles. Um, yeah, if no one, <laughs> sorry, Jared, go ahead, mate. No, what I was going to say is there's a couple of comments here. So Liam, Liam here is like Newcastle Celtic sounds good. Yeah. We've got, um, when I was talking before about the quality of players, Touche, Andrew Galea, <laughs> maybe Newcastle can't afford decent overseas players. And then there's a comment here. I had to bring it up. Love it. From Liam and Tazzy. We could start a rival with the Orange <laughs> Queensland Raw. <laughs> Queensland Raw was run by Bob Malkin and had um, Craig Moore there and a bunch of other ex-Huns. So, yeah, that actually makes perfect sense. <laughs> and then Andrew Galea. If Celtic came part of the club, they can push their own players through that club. Now, what I wanted to say, what you guys said about getting them out of the goldfish bowl, I actually think that transfer for, for Jack Hendry, we went on loan to Melbourne City, was the making of him. He came over here. Yes, he played two or three games, then did his ACL, but he was player of the week and man of the match in every game he played. And he got out and played in a good system, played similar, and then did his knee. But then he came back, went on loan into Belgium and was playing a very similar style in Belgium that he was playing at Melbourne City. And what happened? And then off he's gone. So I have to bring this up here because when I just brought up Craig Moore, Liam and Tassie, my son had a fight with Craig Moore's kid in the tunnel in the 2009 game. Absolutely brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, well, um, I think it's a good idea. It would be worth looking at. Even if they're just like Central Coast Mariners, a club that, as you're saying, Shane's got a really good youth academy. That was the first club I thought of. Uh, Newcastle Jets is the other one I thought of because they're a bit of a poor club and, you know, they are for sale at the moment. That could work as well. At the end of the day, it's something that would be worth looking at. If we're currently spending two, three million pounds on our academy and we're not getting any buyback from it, it wouldn't cost much more than that to buy an A-league club over here at the moment and run it. So... Yeah, I'm just going to jump in very quickly just to back up what uh, Johnny said before. So for those who don't know about Central Coast Mariners, they play at this picturesque stadium in Gosford, uh, which uh, has a name that escapes me now. I can't remember what it's called now. It's got a sponsorship. No, it's something else now. I think that's the traditional name for it, but it's got some other uh, sponsorship. But it's a wonderful stadium. One end is looking towards a lovely mountaintop. The other end is looking out onto the picturesque, I'm pretty sure it's Brisbane Waters, uh, which is not in Brisbane, by the way. Um, 
But uh, because they're sponsored by Master Foods, at the end that looks out onto the water, every game they inflate uh, four giant sauce bottles. So you've got your sauce bottle, barbecue, mustard. And not only that, whenever they score a goal, uh, they've got a, a cannon that goes off and lets off a firework. So um, if anyone's got some spare time, just Google Central Coast Mariners and realize the A-League's a pretty awesome league. The, the stadium, according to Wikipedia, is Industry Group Stadium. Yeah. That's not, it, does, it just doesn't ring the same as Blue Tongue Stadium. No, Blue Tongue <laughs> it is. All right, so quickly we'll get into it. So Celtic are playing St. Mirren in the league tonight. I think we're up and about for it. Got to get a, you know, get that win because last time we played them, what happened? Um, yeah. yeah, for me... I think we'll go full strength squad tonight because we're playing a cup game on the weekend against a lower league team. So, yeah, for me, no, nothing out of the, out of the question here on who will play. Um, I would like to see Jack and Maccus start, though, just because of the way St. Mirren play their game and defend. So, um, yeah, we'll be uh, should be a good one. I'm thinking we're going to keep the run of two nil games going. What do you think, Shane? Uh, Jack Amakis for Kyogo is the only change for me. Uh, I think everything else will be pretty much the same. Uh, maybe Forrest in for Jota as well. They're the only two I really uh, can really see. And I think we'll win, uh, I'm going to say 3-0. Sean? Yeah, I agree with you 2-0, uh, Jared. Um, it's interesting because the last time we played St Mirren, obviously they beat us 2-0. And the two worst players on the day were Moy and Maeda, who are are two currently most informed players so this could be a good chance for them to get some retribution uh, it'd be interesting to see how it goes but I think it is going to be a case of whenever we score the first goal it's going to dictate how the game goes and if uh, if it's still no, no, no after an hour it's going to be squeaky bum time and I still think it will probably finish to no And there are two goal scorers Sean I've just decided There you <laughs> go. Johnny? No I don't see any changes to the lineup. Because I, I think it's a league game, important. We need three points. Uh, I am going to be ambitious and say 4-0. Um, yeah, I, I'd probably like to see some rotation to the front three, um, whether that's Jack Macca starting or maybe seeing a Bada start instead of Jota or something like that. But yeah, I don't actually think there'll be much change to the starting lineup. And Liam? Uh, I'll say we'll win 3-0. Um I don't think it would happen, but I would like to see us start Maeda through the middle and see how he gets on. Um, because uh, that's what he does for Japan and the form he's in at the moment. I think he could it could be very effective for us. So, uh, yeah, but anyway, 3-0. I'm going to use what you just said there, Liam, and roll that into talking about Saturday's game, I think it is, yeah, against uh, Greenock Morton in the Scottish Cup. For me... You're saying play Mahita through the middle. I'm saying that's the game to play him through the middle because against Granite Morton, I want to see more Rocco Vada if he's fit. I want him out there. Mm. I don't want to full-on go stupid with that, but I think that's a game where we could see uh, Kobayashi make his debut. We can potentially we starting debut. Starfelt can have a game off. Kolmak could potentially or uh, Hatade could come out and Awada could make his debut. And that sort of thing. Just make a couple of little changes here and there. But for me, yeah, the Granite Morton game, I think that one should be a three or four. One where we win with three or four goals scored. But, yeah, what do you guys think, Shane? 
Yeah, much the same. And I think that's probably the game where we might experiment a bit. I was just going to finish off by saying uh, James McCarthy, CSC, let's go. But looks like he's still injured according to this. So, No, he's back in training. Is he? Oh, okay. Uh, well, Postacoglu said today. Well, clearly my uh, my app is not very up to date. So James McCarthy, CSC, let's go. <laughs> Sean? I forgot he existed. Uh, yeah, I think it'll be 4 now. I think we'll still start with a strong team because there's no midweek game following it. Uh, there's a big gap uh, to this, the game on the following Sunday. So uh, I think you will see, once we get comfortable, the likes of Vata and Law will coming off the bench, which would be very interesting. Johnny? I, th- I think it will be a strong team, but I don't think it will be ones that we would... Um, we would say that they're, they're going to start no matter what. So I think I don't think like for instance Kyogo will start. I don't think we'll um, maybe McGregor. Well, probably McGregor's obviously a stupid thing to say actually. But we might not see Moy. We might not see Atate. But we're probably going to see Segrist, All of those sorts of players. Johnson's probably going to get a game. I think Barnabé is going to stay on. We might even see Jens as well. Those mm-hmm. types of players. So not a strong team, but it's, it's not going to be reserves. But um, maybe not regulars. A back pairing of Jens and Kobayashi. Get it done. Could see it. And Liam. All I'll say is just be careful what you know what happened the last time we we gave an Asian centre back his debut in a cup game. Mm, Yes. (laughs) Right. Okay, so just let's not put too much on on poor old Kobayashi's shoulders here. But uh, no, I I think um I think we'll win five now. I think that we'll start with probably a similar team to what we're starting with tonight but I think there'll be a lot of changes um, well, five changes is all we're allowed um, in the, as the game goes on, once once, once we're two or three you know, up and the game's settled give the likes of Kobayashi and Iwata their debuts um, so yeah, I, I, I think it'll be a, a pretty easy, a easy game in the end but we'll have to be careful for that first half an hour or so Fair enough so, um, everyone, thanks for tuning in. Really appreciate the support as usual. If you haven't already done so, please subscribe to the Southwick Down Under podcast in your podcast app. If you're watching on YouTube, you haven't subscribed, please hit that subscribe button. If you have subscribed but you haven't done so, hit the notification bell so you get notified when we go live each Wednesday. We're looking to uh, expand the Southwick Down Under podcast, so there will be some changes coming up in the next in the next month or so. I'll um, let you all know what's happening on that front once we know. And, um, yeah, just um, we'll go to our final thoughts to end the podcast. So we'll start with you, John. Well, I'm not going to do a music suggestion this week because um, I've been very much smashing the very progressive metal and I'm not going to subject everybody to that. So instead, um, I'm going to recommend a podcast, which I've been doing a lot of driving recently back and forth to like, tambourine mountain and stuff in queensland um so me and the girlfriend have been listening to a podcast called full body chills which is very 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 good it's like a it's like you know old school dramatized radio show sort of thing um but it's it's kind of like x files i would say a little bit supernatural kind of like black mirror um but yeah, it's just it's very well produced and the acting's very good. So and they're not very long episodes; they're like twenty minute long. So they they're good just to smash through. So if you fancy listening to a you know good drama podcast, give it a go. Shane, 
Well, I'll cover the music part of it uh, this week. Um, Sacrilegious. Take it I off know. me. <laughs> it was wonderful when you said that you, you mentioned you weren't doing music. I went, <laughs> uh, it's not for, a, it's not for a, a current release. It's just uh, news that hit my feed yesterday, which I'm very excited about, which I hope others will share my enthusiasm. That is, there will be a new Noel Gallagher's High Flying Birds album released in June. Um, so uh, we've already had a couple of Taster songs and the one released yesterday titled Easy Now, uh, which is a, a really, really good song. And uh, like I said, I'm usually pretty um, praise-heavy on Noel's work, but this one really deserves applauded. It's, it's, a, it's a really good tune. So uh, looking forward to that album. That's June 2023. So um, roll on June. Sean? Uh, yeah, if, you're, uh, if you've not checked it out yet, can you please... Uh, have a listen to my quickie episodes that is up on YouTube at the moment um, and let me know what you think. I'm putting quite a lot of hours into it, so it'll be getting, trying to make it better. So if anyone listens into it, just let me know. Let me know what you think and uh, if it's worth worth all the, the hours of work, uh, that'd be good. Thank you. And also Netflix recommendation, Russian Doll, if you've not seen that. Liam? Um, well, I just, uh, on a slightly serious note uh my dad had a partial hip replacement at the weekend there um he's still in hospital at the moment so uh you know get well soon dad if you're listening but i just want to say a massive thank you to all the the nurses doctors staff everybody at uh wishaw general who've been looking after him and uh you know nurses in the uk and other medical staff are currently striking for better paying conditions um give them whatever they want because even then, it's probably still not enough for the work they do. Uh, hey, the nurses, Sunak, you scumbag. Yep, and go ahead and quit your job while you're at it, you dirty, bloody-eating, Etonian prick. Anyway, sorry, I'm getting <laughs> off that tangent. Uh, yeah, um, thank you to all the staff, on the workers, and uh, let's hope that they can get the pay deal they deserve sooner rather than later. It's not like me to go political, but okay. Last one is... Um... What sort of an absolute knob uses power tools at 11 o'clock at night? My neighbours, that's who. Up yours, you pricks. Have a good <laughs> one, everyone. Hail, hail. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next week. Hail, hail. Hail, hail. hail, hail. hail, hail.